There was a banner hanging on the ground floor common area of my apartment building over the standard oil painting of a bowl of fruit. The banner read, Windler U Alumni Weekend Starts This Friday Night. And in a smaller font it said, Let's put our full alumnusy into it. And then, a coy, smirking, smiley face emoji. It's good, Eric says, that the admin likes to try to talk to us Gen Zers the way they think we like to talk. Ah, uh, yes, the Windler U Alumni Weekend. It happens each and every year the weekend before Parents Weekend. In years past, it's been considered good form to avoid the alumni, to not speak to them unless they speak to you. But this year... This year, I am on the executive board of the campus radio station. I am the standards coordinator, which at 94.6 The Slant is basically like being a glorified HR guy. And that's the coolest thing a person can be. But it is stressful. I have to handle any and all complaints. I have to wag my finger at people who break the rules. And once a week, I have to go in and collect the folder full of show reports that every student DJ is required to fill out, digitize them, and mail them to the FCC. Now, of course, our student DJs never do their show reports, so that means that once a week, I have to go in and lie to the federal government on the station's behalf, and that would be a lot of pressure even if I wasn't also trying to make the dean's list. Ah, well. Ah, radio. Ah, humanity. I was walking with Noah and Trevor down to the football field where Dr. Collins had called his famous start-of-the-year all-hands-on-deck meeting. I wonder what terrible thing he's cooking up this year, said Trevor, still doing his unplaceable Scandinavian accent. Dude, said Noah, why are you talking like that? Talking like what, said Trevor. This is how everybody talks in Oslo, Norway, which is the setting of The Wild Dog by Ibsen, which is a play I'll be performing in this year at the new Cardiff Community Playhouse. I hope. You hope, I asked. Well, they, <coughs> excuse me, uh, <clears throat> they won't be doing auditions until the end of the foul, but I want to get into the head of the characters now so that I can be seamless about it later. I think it's a good idea. I'm glad you think so, I said. We walked down to the football field and took seats. Eric, Olivia, and Max were already sitting down there. We took our seats next to them. Eric was wearing a homemade graphic tee that he had designed last semester, featuring a cartoon character of his own design, Sepsisco, the friendly sewer mutant. He wasn't allowed to wear it in town. Frightened too many small children. What's the point of doing this every year? he asked. It's not even realistic for us all to go to a giant-ass meeting on a weekday. People are having to leave class for this. I think it makes the administration feel big, said Olivia. At this point, I've learned not to question it. Before we could discuss this anymore, a woman with wavy blonde hair came and sat down next to us. She squoze in right between Eric and Noah, pushing Eric to the side as she did. Ow, he said. It's okay, said the woman. I have a right to be here. I have permission to be here. She turned to Noah. You were supposed to wait for me, Mr. Man. Sorry, Sherry, said Noah. Noah, said Max. Who is this? This is Sherry, I said. She's Noah's wellness representative. Her main job is making sure he doesn't do anything suicidal. Noah glared at me. Thanks, Will, he said. You're welcome, I told him. 
It's really no hablo problemo, said Sherry. Me and Noah are becoming the best of friends. Mmm, we're something, he said. At that moment, Dr. Collins stepped up to the microphone. Heloise stood to his side. On the other side was the Windler U. Rabid Walrus. Attention, attention, my beloved Windler community. Your attention I beseechify. We all turned to him. What a joyous beginning we've had to the 2022-2023 school year. I know we're all going to have a wonderful learning experience. Good tidings will bless us, every one of us. The fact is, the revolution was successful. Windler University has lately become a veritable Eden, a utopia. We have partnered with a brand new non-evil catering company. Heloise raised her hands for us to clap. There was polite applause. We have a record endowment. More polite applause. And gorgeous, gorgeous girls know our community garden is flourishing like never before, putting us on track for net zero carbon footprint this year. Skeptical applause. And I truly believe this. Negative emissions next year. It's time for Windler to give back to the mighty womb of the Earth Mother. No applause that time. It's a good thing, shouted Heloise. A little bit of applause. There's just one thing said Collins. One tiny thing, and it's a big one. The question on everyone's mind lately, I know, is what are we gonna do about all these damn ghosts? There was murmuring among the crowd. It was a good question. Two weeks ago, following another temporal quake, dead Windlarians had apparently risen from their graves in droves. First, it had been the presidents. Every Windler president, and most of their spouses, is buried in the private Windler U Cemetery. Ditto distinguished staff, faculty, and community members, as well as alumni who pay for plots. Throughout the last few weeks, they had been appearing on campus. They all looked and dressed the way they had the day they died, which was tragic since some of them were rancid and borderline incontinent with old age. No one knew where they'd come from. They'd appeared on the quad without warning, bumbling and stumbling around. They almost all went into the library. So often, in fact, that the third floor had essentially been converted into a processing ward for the recently undead. There, they were submitted to a battery of physical and psychological tests before being quarantined in cots. So far, said Dr. Collins... We have deducified no vampiric tendencies, no lycanthropy, and minimal desire to eat human flesh. The undead appear to pose no noticeable threat to us, but they are out of their own time. Some of them died near 200 years ago. They're completely out of step with the modern time, and so all I ask is, what are we going to do? It was a tough question. We couldn't just keep them there indefinitely. The school had waited a few weeks to see if they would just vanish on their own or die again, and they hadn't, which was proving really quite inconvenient. Dr. Collins said that he was open to our suggestions and ordered that a microphone be passed around. Suggestions taken. The first microphone went to Sean Rakowski, the new head of the Windler Young Republicans. Yes, hello, he said. Hello, hi. I think you all know me. My name is Sean Rakowski, obviously. I just want to say uh, I think it's an utter farce and a waste of the school's valuable time and resources to continue housing these individuals, obviously. They need to go back to their own time.
Thank you. Another hand shot up. This one belonged to Ryan Culverton, head of the Windler Democrats. I just want to say, he said, that I substantially disagree with the comments of my esteemed classmate. These are fellow Windlerians. We have a responsibility to help them integrate into modern Windler society. I suggest we help out by giving them menial jobs, such as the mailroom, or cleaning up after the dogs that poop on the campus lawn. Another hand shot up. This one was Ali Hernandez, the head of the Windler Socialists. We're not going far enough, she said. We have a responsibility to assist these time travelers. They are our fellow Windlerians. We should find space for them and... Oh, can it, commie, said Sean. Fuck you, you fascist bedwetter, said Allie. Oh, wow, said Sean. An ad hominem attack. I just think we need to find middle ground, said Ryan. Maybe we keep half of them, but, but find a way to send half of them back to their own time, and the rest of them can be put to work. Well, I don't want them taking jobs from good, hard-working Windlarians, said Sean. And at that moment, Max stood up on her stand and shouted, Enough! We all turned to her. She walked over to Sean and took the mic out of his hand. Shut up, she said. Then she put the mic to her mouth and said, I don't want to do this one! What do you mean, Mitsuki? asked Collins. This, she said. I don't want to do this! I don't have the energy for this one! What one? asked Heloise. Oh, please, she said. Don't wit one me. You all know what we're doing. It's pointless! It's old and it's tiring and it helps no one, so let's just skip it and come to a solution that's actually feasible. And so we did. As it happens, it was quite easy. A few years ago, the school had become the majority owner of the new Cardiff Inn, a charming hotel out on the main drag of town. It's almost never full, except, ironically, during Alumni Weekend. I'll make some appointments, said Collins. Try and get them in after our prestigious, still-living guests have left town. As for the rest of you... If any of you feel like adopting a friend for the semester, possibly if you have a futon or spare bedroom or a nice futon that hasn't been used for fornication that they could sleep on, I'm sure it would be well appreciated. I turned to Eric, Noah, and Trevor. What do we think, I said. Should we adopt a friend? Absolutely not, said Noah. We already have Sherry. How many more friends do we need? I think it could be nice, said Trevor. I would love to have a captive audience. Well, then again, perhaps it wasn't the smartest idea. After the assembly wound down, I hugged up to the library where Jess had been conscripted to go and aid in the processing of the recently re-alived. She sat at the top of the stairs on a little stool with a clipboard in her hands. Hey, I said. Hey, she said. Have you come to watch me fritter away my brain cells by playing babysitter to a bunch of 200-year-olds? Uh, no, I said. Actually, I came to bring you these. I handed her a small bag of pumpkin-flavored frosted animal crackers. Oh, animal crackers, God bless. When do you get out of here? I said. Like, let's go grab a coffee or something and catch up, huh? Oh, well, <laughs> I don't get out of here. I'm swamped till 5 p.m. I am doing this till 1, then I have 15 for lunch, then I have to hike my ass down to the Performing Arts Building to make sure the stage is swept and the banners are hung, and take a bunch of 90-year-old alums on a tour of the building. All of these things are my job now, Will. I have become a Swiss Army person. Huh. Well, we could just walk over now. Will, 
I would love to, but it's not that simple. I'm not a student anymore. I can't just drop everything and go grab a coffee. Technically, I shouldn't even legally call myself your friend. But we are friends, I said. Not according to Windler's policy. According to Windler policy, I have to remain neutral to all students so that I could make a citizen's arrest if need be. You can arrest me? Anyone can arrest anyone, Will. It's a citizen's arrest. We could arrest each other right now. Is that how that works? Can you prove that it isn't? Good point, I said. Uh, anyway, yes or no to coffee, then. So we were walking down to the student union, and it was a perfect fall day. The leaves were starting to turn yellow, and the temp had dropped, and it was sprinkling just nicely. This year, I am hoping for a cold winter. Last winter was so mild, we barely got any snow. Although I suppose that's to be expected. The world is getting warmer every year. They're saying California may get hurricanes now. I just want one white Christmas, you know, just one. I mean, I had white Christmases, of course, up at the lake, frozen over, but I had no way of knowing what Christmas was. I knew the day after, though. That was the day that all the Davenport residents would throw out their ham bones, and I would pig out on those pigs. There weren't many things I liked about being a lake monster, but I do think that was one. Sometimes I still think about whipping up a nice ham bone for dinner and just oh, grating the meat off with my teeth and oh, just sucking out the marrow. Oh, it's really good sucking, those ham bones. What are you thinking about? Jess asked me. Bones, I said. Oh, she said. And then, a young man came sprinting frantically across the quad. He nearly ran straight into us. Jeez, Louisa, shouted Jess. Slow down! Sorry, said the young man. I just, um, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out. I think, I think maybe I'm concussed or something. Do, do I look concussed? Well, you can't really tell, said Jess, just by looking. Your pupils don't seem overly dilated, I said to the young man. He was probably about 20 or 21, built lean, with blondish-brownish hair and a familiar face. Sorry, he said. I just... Oh, I feel like my head's about to burst. I don't remember how I got here. I thought... Well, I thought I'd, I'd graduated. Isn't that weird? I, I swear, I really thought I'd graduated. And that's when I knew him. He'd been a few years older the last time I'd seen him. He'd had no hair and had been leaner to the point of looking almost sickly. Here, said Jess, why don't you come in with us and sit down? My name is Jess. I work for the university. I've never seen you before, he said. I'm new, she said. Just started. Student Involvement Center. Oh, nice, he said. Uh, my name is Brayden. Brayden Vandersloot. So there we sat, us three in the student union, Jess and I silently drinking coffee while the man who claimed to be Braden Vandersloot sat in between us, hungrily picking at a scone. I was so hungry, he said. I feel like I haven't eaten in forever. We said nothing. I used to love scones, he said. As a child, my au pair used to make these for my brothers and me. Once we'd weaned, I could see Jess's hand twitch to smack him. So, I said, you don't remember how you got here? No, he said. 
Last thing I remember, I was graduating. Life was good. I had just dodged a really nasty pregnancy scare. Wasn't mine. Thank God. And Dad said he was going to create a position for me at the company. He turned to Jess. We're a financial firm, so... No, thank you, she said. Well, I am what's called a personality hire. You're what's called a nepotism hire, she said. And no, thank you. Ouch, he said. So, wait, I, you don't remember anything about the last five years? He shrugged. I remember my dad getting really drunk the night Trump got elected last year, uh, flirting with his secretary. I remember mom saying, Stephen, I'll put you in a coma if you try that again. Uh, nothing really magical. Why? Wait, said Jess. You said that Donald Trump got elected last year, said Brayden. 2016. So you think this year is 2017, I asked. Uh, yeah, he said. It's 2017. Moonlight won Best Picture. Beyonce's having twins. Kendall Jenner got in trouble for that stupid-ass Pepsi commercial. It's 2017. All those things just happened. Brayden, I said. It's 2022. Oh, bull fucking shit, he said. It's not. Well, what, you expect me to think that five years just went flying by like that? They did, I said. You're 26 years old, or I, I guess you would have been now. Would have been? You, you sort of, um, died, I said. And he started laughing. <laughs> okay, well, just because you're being low-key savage. More of that 2017 talk, I guess. No, it's true, said Jess. Brayden, you died out in the woods this spring. Okay, he said, I, I see what's happening. This is like when my uncle recreated the Truman Show for my brother Jonas's high school graduation. No, it's, it's funny. I'm laughing. Good one, Uncle Jeff. You really got me. These two actors were pretty believable. <laughs> Take a bow, guys. Uh, what are your names? Jess, said Jess. Bradford. Will Hughes, I said. Fake names, he said. No, it's not fake, said Jess. <sighs> Listen, this is going to be really hard for you to hear, but you have been dead for six months. And you're back now because the Earth's timeline is all wonky, and it's kind of your fault, actually, because a year before that, you shot a bolt of lightning into the Earth's core while dressed as a, a superhero. She paused. Now, having said all that... I would like to try and rephrase it in a way that doesn't make it sound like the rantings of a methed-out lunatic. Well, you keep trying, he said. I'm gonna call home. No, don't, don't do that, I said. Why? Well, um, because you're also technically, uh, a war criminal. <laughs> wow, he said. Well, that is fascinating, mythologically. <laughs> I'll see you later, skaters. And then he stood up and walked out, and Jess and I were left staring at each other. Well, that was a major what-the-fuck. That was him, right? I, I mean, that had to have been. It looked just like him. Well, I don't think it was a prank, if that's what you mean, but... Well, I don't know, Will. It's all so weird. Well, anyway, I, I, I can't dwell on it now. With any luck, he'll wander out in front of traffic, and that'll be the end of it. Anyway, I'm off to hang posters for alumni weekend. I thought you were on bouncer duty, I said. That was ten minutes ago. Now, I need to hand out posters all over the academic quad. How do they have you doing both of those things, I asked. Because, my dear Will, 
At colleges, 90% of the work is done by three people, and it turns out this position was vacant because I'm one of the three. So I am off to go put my degree to good use. Oh, God. Her degree. Do you use that at all? Your degree? Oh, yeah, she said. No, there's a lot of demand for a film major. Be so fucking for real, Will. She opened her attache case and took out a stack of posters. Go put these up if you have the time. Roger, I said. So I took the stack of papers and went to the elevator. I decided I would start at the top floor of the student union and work my way down. The top floor of the Windler Student Union is a quiet collection of study spaces. The dean maintains an office there, and so do a few other key administrators and campus resources. Then, in the center of it, is the campus's auditorium. The film department screens classic movies there on Saturdays, and sometimes students put on plays there. The door was slightly ajar, and I could hear the sound of a film playing inside. Was it... It was. The Purple Rose of Cairo. I opened the door and stepped inside. The sound of the film abruptly ceased. The door shut behind me. On the stage ahead, lights flashed and flickered. Hello? I called. Uh, is there a place in here I could hang up posters? I walked to the stage. The lights dimmed to black. Couldn't remember the last time I'd ever been on one. But I could vaguely hear the sound of someone whispering behind the curtain. I stepped onto the stage. Immediately, the spotlight of the projector fell onto me. I looked up at the projection booth, but I couldn't see anyone. Out in the audience, though, I could just make out the shape of two people. Hello? I said to one of them. And one turned to the other. It's a bit more complicated than that, it said. A spotlight fell on someone sitting behind me. I could smell maple syrup. I turned. Behind me, it had appeared in a velvet chair. Hello, William, said the waffle. It rolled its arms in a lazy kind of stretch. Been a minute. You, I said. The waffle stood and went over to me. I must say the boxing's been paying off. You look rather good, Will. Would you care for a drink? The waffle snapped its fingers and a dry bar appeared next to us. I think I'll have time on the rocks with a sanity chaser, it said. You may prefer something a little tamer. How about a gin and tonic? It's noon. Screwdriver, then, said the waffle. I always did make a wonderful screwdriver. I just love the little names that people come up with for drinks. <laughs> I mean, there was this one planet I visited a few eons ago, right before it blew up. They had this drink, well, I can't describe it, but they, they call it a... But the point is, well, it tasted like a Thanksgiving dinner, I swear. Oh, it's a shame I had to snuff them all out. You destroyed their planet. Oh, they did that. I cleaned up the mess. And from the waffle's pores, I was suddenly aware of the sound of horrified, pained screaming. It went as quickly as it came. <laughs> Excuse me, it said. It is rude to belch. It went to the bar and picked up a bottle of orange juice and some vodka. I send my congratulations, by the way, it said. To whom? Why, to your lovely mother. On her betrothment, I just know this time she'll get it right. I said nothing. 
Tell me, said the waffle, are she and the Trent boy still having problems with my rotten little cousin? I don't know anything about that, I said. Of course you don't. She always did keep things from you, Will. It passed me, the screwdriver. Here, take a sip. It's not poison. I'd never disrespect good liquor. I took a sip. It was phenomenal. As I drank, the waffle took out a few misshapen black bottles and began to make its own drink. The liquor that came out was colorless and flickering like TV static. What is that? I asked the waffle. Ah, my libations. Forgive me, the human mind may be bamboozled by the potation of abstract concepts, but cheers to you, Will. Cheers, I said, and I raised my glass. What are we drinking to? Why, to the end, my dear boy, we're drinking to doomsday. I don't suppose we could drink to my French quiz, could we? (laughs) Study French all you like, it said. Won't make no matter. You see, Will, I've come to make a sort of neutral announcement to you. A A revelation. I'm on my way. The world is dying, Will. I suppose you thought you had me licked last year with the whole sea as in ocean, sea as in let us see thing you did. It was very clever, but alas, you got lazy. All of you got lazy. And right now, the wealthiest among you are preparing to make good their escape. Even your old friend, Tristan Robeck. It was true. Over the summer, Villa Americana had announced the development of Villa Asteroidica, a flagship space colonization program that would send Tristan Robeck into a colony of rich volunteers to terraform the moon. This had been announced, coincidentally, around the same time that Tristan had announced his engagement to pioneering Swedish conceptual artist Bix, best known for her innovative street performance art. Most famously, last year, Bix had debuted Glass Woman, in which she had sewn herself into a meat exoskeleton, which she had worn for a full week in public. Eventually, she'd had to be treated for severe salmonella, but it had garnered mixed to positive reviews. How long would you say we have? The waffle took a sip of its drink and picked a deck of cards off the table. Quick game of go fish, it asked. Is it set in stone? The waffle opened its pores again. More screams bellowed from it. Everything comes to this, Will, it said. World's gone mad. The dead are up and walking around. The past is present. Present's past. Future's non-existent. It almost makes one wonder if it's worth. Somewhere in the distance, a door opened. And the waffle said, What is this now? And then disappeared like a whiff of smoke. A young woman entered the room. Oh, she said, I didn't know anyone was in here. As she walked toward me, the room began to change. The bar, the chair, the cards, the drink in my hand. I was back, standing on the stage. I'm sorry, um, I must have nodded off. She got closer. It was Sydney. Oh, it's you, I said. And it's you, she said. How are you, I asked. How's living at the library? Oh, God, it's boring. Uh, I've spent a week there, and it's felt like 30-plus years already. I mean, uh, I hate the library third floor. Sorry, I'm rambling. Just future jet lag, you know. I'm sorry, I'm rude. Remind me your name? Will. Will Hughes. We've met before. Yeah, I, I know. Right. So, how are you feeling about being back? 
Back here, I mean, I, I guess you're not back. You really seem flustered, she said. Are you okay? Yeah, I said. I- I'm sorry, last time I saw you, you were uh, a ghost. Well, actually, no, you were uh, mold in a mold jail. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but it sounds important to you, so that's very nice. You want to get some water? You seem drunk, weirdly. Yeah, I I had a screwdriver. Where did you get a screwdriver? From the bar. She looked at me funny. God, I knew things had changed since 87, but I didn't know they had invisible bars now. They don't. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm real nervous. Let's get some water, she said. So we went downstairs and I bought a bottle of watermelon mint flavored water. Buying water. A completely normal thing to do. We sat at the table and Sydney watched me closely. Can I ask you a question? She said. Sure. Was I really murdered, do you think? I was quiet for a minute. I mean, I know that's a direct question, but that's what they're saying. I was murdered. Yeah, I said. You you were. Interesting. But you said I was a ghost. Yeah, that's how we met. Actually, you were going to kill my best friend Noah on Halloween freshman year, and then later you turned me into my own cat. Her name's Dolores. She has one eye. Does it ever get infected? What, the socket? Yeah, the empty socket. Does it ever get infected? Uh, Once, I said. Fascinating. May I see a picture of her? I took out my phone and pulled up a picture of Dolores stretched out on my pillow. God, she said, I can't get used to these flat phones. I mean, phones shouldn't look like that. Phones should be big and blocky, and you should just be able to take calls on them. Of course. But God, it's rude taking formal calls on your cell phone. I mean, that's... I would never take a formal call on a cell phone. Yeah, I said, I I guess things have changed. They're nice now. I mean, apparently they give you cancer, but everyone stopped caring about that a few years ago, so now I think we all just pretend that they probably don't, I think. Hmm. That's a fascinating invention. I'm sort of an inventor too, you know? I've heard that you were trying to crossbreed radishes with cocaine. You know my work, she said. I'm flattered, yes. Radishes in the cocaine, cocaine in the radishes. We're gonna call them cocadishes and sell them by the millions on Wall Street. But what about you, Will? What do you do? Well, um, my major is anthropology, but I have a bit of a science background, too, actually. Oh? When I was a baby, they tested shampoo on me, and it turned me into a lake monster for almost two decades. Oh. It's very interesting. I wonder how they were able to do that. I'm not really sure. The The how is actually still a bit of a mystery to me. Do you remember that time at all? No, not very well, I said. Kind of blends together now, but honestly, my memory has never been too good. Um, what, about, what about you? Do you remember anything about how you got here? I remember that it was like falling asleep, and it felt like I was weightless for a little while. Did it feel bad? No, she said, not bad. Not good. It just didn't feel. I I can't really explain it. It was was like nothing I'd ever felt before. 
I would like to get back somehow, you know? I mean, much as I find the 2020s interesting, I'm a little bit out of my element. I mean, things have changed since 87, Will. I mean, do, do you know they made a spinoff of Cheers about Fraser Crane? Yeah, I, I did. Now most shows don't even have laugh tracks. <sighs> That's ridiculous. She said, how will the audience at home know when a joke has happened? Well, we find ways, I said. She sighed. It clearly wasn't sitting right with her at all. I felt a hand on my shoulder. It was my mom. Hey, she said. How's it going? It's good, I said. Who's your friend? Oh, uh, mom, this is Sydney. Sydney used to be a ghost back when she was dead, and now she's alive again. Sydney, this is my mom. Jane Ballard, said my mother, I teach psychology here, and I want you and all the other undead people to know that my door is always open if you're having any trouble adjusting to life back on the mortal coil. I'm having trouble adjusting, shouted a voice from behind us. We turned. It was Brayden. Oh. My. Shit, my mother said. Brayden slumped down at the table. I don't know what happened, he said. It was the weirdest thing. I, my brother's here, okay? My, my brother Logan. And, and I came up to him to say hi, to be like, oh, what are you doing here, right? And he didn't recognize me, and I kept saying, it's me, it's, 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 it's Braden. And he told me to get away from him, and, and, and he looked like, right? So I, I called my older brother, my brother Jonas, and, and, and he told me not to call him again. He said that, that I had died this spring. We all said nothing. It's true, isn't it? I really am dead. Was, I said. Should be, said my mother. Why should be, Brayden asked. I haven't done anything to you, lady. I don't even know you. Oh, let me introduce myself. My name is Jane Ballard. I'm one of the people that fucking killed you. Brayden tensed. Mom, I said, he doesn't know what happened. Bullshit, she said. I really don't know what you're talking about, said Brayden. I don't know what's going on. I, I, I've never, I've never done anything. I'm a kid. I'm 21 years old. You're, you're 21, said my mother. Yes, he said. That's what I've been trying to tell you guys all day. I don't know what's going on. You skipped forward in time, said Sydney. It happened to me too. Apparently, I died in 1987, and yet. Here I am, mostly in the flesh. But if I'm dead, then why is everyone acting like it's such a chore to see me? B believe me, I was very well liked. Right, said my mother. Well, about that, there's a chance you may have committed a few war crimes. War crimes? Oh, come on, I mean, I know they told me not to empty the jet toilet over the Gaza Strip, but... It wasn't yellow. I couldn't let it mellow. It's more complicated than that, I said. And so for about ten minutes, my mother and I took turns telling the tale of Electro Man, the ill-advised superhero created courtesy of the Villa Americana Corporation. I told him how that same company had once turned me into a lake monster. I told him about our suit against them, about David, about Olivia, about Tristan Robeck, about Patty Holloway about the night in the woods, about his death, about everything. The entire time he watched us unblinking, it really must have dried his eyes out. 
And then, after a moment's pause, Braden Vandersloot began to cry. I looked at my mother, and her stern expression mellowed slightly, became somewhat more compassionate, and I could see her hand reaching out unsteadily to pat him on the shoulder. Finally, it made hesitant contact, and she said, Don't cry. It's really not a convenient time for you to cry. I looked at Sydney. This school's really full of freaks, isn't it? She said, It is, I told her. Good, she said. Everyone was so square when I went here. This seems so much more fun. Then she turned to Brayden. Hey, she said. Brian. Brayden. Ew. Anyway, listen. I know this is a lot. I know you're really sad right now and that this probably feels like a bad dream. And I'm sorry about your brothers. That's really awful. It's okay, he said. I I was never a very good brother. Look at it this way, said Sidney. You're alive, right? Despite all scientific probability, you somehow got a hall pass from death. We both did. And that means we both have a second chance, all right? And I think we owe it to ourselves to take that chance. He said nothing. My mother patted his shoulder again. So, in this future, I am a pariah and an embarrassment to my family and a neo-fascist piece of shit. I, I was a, a liberal, a, a classical liberal, but, but still, it just means you have room to grow, said Sydney. Well, what I can't figure out, said my mother, is why everyone else that's come back has been the same age they were at the time of death, but it hit the reset clock for him. I think I may have the answer, said the woman standing behind us. We turned. She was a stout woman with black hair and large, owlish glasses. I watched as my mother's mouth fell open. Patty, she said, I... It's you. It's me, Janie, said Patty Holloway. And my mother wrapped her in a great big hug and pressed her close. I've missed you so, so much, Patty. Oh my god, I thought I would never see you again. I thought you were dead. Oh, Janie, she said, please... Rumors of my death have been adequately reported, but rumors of my ability to cheat the Reaper Man have been greatly underrepresented. She pulled away from my mother and kissed me on the cheek. How are you, Will? I'm, I'm good, Patty. It's, it's really great to see you. Likewise, we'll catch up. She turned to Sydney. I don't know you, my dear. Who are we? Sydney Claybauer, said Sydney. Biochem student, class of 1988. Oh my, you're the library ghost. I, I, I guess so, said Sidney. I'm kind of getting my footing back. Well, it's wonderful to see you, dear. Absolutely wonderful. If you're looking to ease the adjustment period, I have every record that Blondie, New Order, and Kate Bush ever put out. Come and talk to me. I, I will. And finally, with a slow, deliberate, almost dread-inducing speed, she turned to Braden. "'Hello,' she said. "'Hi,' he said. "'She extended her hand. "'Dr. Patricia Holloway. "'We killed each other out in the woods. "'Very long walk back to campus, by the way.' "'He stared at her. "'Shake the hand,' said my mother. "'He did. "'So, 
We were debating, said Patty, still holding on to his hand, why it is that our friend here has come back younger while all of the other ghouls have come back the same age, and here are my thoughts. She slowly let go of the hand. I'm going to guess something. You were supposed to graduate today, weren't you? I had just changed out of my cap and gown, he said. I see. That confirms it. Everyone who ever died or was buried in or around the vicinity of Windler's campus has risen from the dead and returned here, returned to the exact state they were in their last living moments at Windler U. But Braden Vandersloot was dead at 25, I said. No, Electroman was dead at 25. From the moment Braden Vandersloot put on the Electroman costume... I'm sure it was a uniform, said Brayden. Sweetheart, she said. It was a Halloween costume. You looked ridiculous. It doesn't matter. The point is, we saw what it did to him. The minute he took it off, he started to deteriorate. Why? It's simple. I'm convinced the suit altered his DNA. The minute he put it on, it changed him. That's why taking it off was so hazardous. It was just another Villa Americana engineered death trap. Didn't you build it? I asked. I made a blueprint for it. Maybe if they'd bothered to do some extra safety testing, they would have known. But no, it's always save the rhesus monkeys. Point is, that's why he's back. The only times he had returned to campus post-graduation were as Electro-Man. His DNA was different. Whatever brought us all back, it knew he was dead. And it tried to reconstruct the most accurate depiction of Braden Vandersloot that it could. Using the man that he was, the last time his DNA set foot here. Graduation day. That is so convoluted, said Sidney, that it has to be true. So the question becomes, said my mother, what do we do with him? What do we do with him, Patty? She looked at Braden. He looked very small in that moment, like a cornered rat that knows it can't fight anymore. The way I see it, we don't have to do anything. Oh, he's a war criminal, said my mother. Is he? Is this version of him a war criminal? Well, no, no, but exactly, said Patty. So the question is, is it right to punish someone for something they did in our past in their future? Huh. Yeah, that, wow, that, that is a big baby Hitler of a problem. Oh, please, said Patty. Well, don't you know anything? You don't have to go back in time to kill baby Hitler. His mother almost aborted him. Go back, tell her all the shit he gets up to. I doubt the abortion becomes such a moral issue. So, here's my question for this situation. Brayden, what do you want to do? I, I, I want to go home. I, I want my mom. I figured. And I don't think that option's available, is it? He shook his head. So... What's a fallback option? I, um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't want to die. I, these things that I do, I mean, I, I don't want to do them. I mean, I, I, um, all right, look, all right. I, I wasn't always the best person. I, I've done things I wasn't proud of. I, 
Okay, I was selfish. I was a selfish, angry, rich kid, okay? But I, I wouldn't do that. I, 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 I haven't, all right? I, I, wanna, I wanna live. Patty sighed and sat down next to him. I know, she said. I do too. And then she wrapped her arms around him and pressed him into her. I had never seen anything like it before and I watched as he cried into her, and she held him the way a mother would have, and stroked his hair and let him cry into her. And I looked up at my mother. I watched her face soften. I put my hand on her shoulder. She pulled me into her. I looked at Sydney, watching the entire thing, with a curious expression on her face. It was three hours later I was standing in my apartment living room. Noah stood next to me. He had barely spoken since I'd told him the news, but he was talking now, now that he saw the blanket and the pillow on our couch. Braden Vandersloot was currently showering in our bathroom. Something about time travel really gives people this odd musk for the first few days, I think. It's like soggy beans, I can't really explain it, but everyone who's come back has had it. You have got to be shitting me, he said. I mean, Jesus Christ, Will, you've got to be shitting me. What? I said. You said you wanted to do the adopt-a-friend thing, didn't you? No, Will, I explicitly said I didn't want to do that. And I especially didn't want to do it with a guy that tried to kill me. Well, I I understand that, Noah, but he hasn't done that yet, so... What we all decided is he's going to lay low here and try and make things right with his brothers and figure things out. You know, it's like a rehabilitation mission. Will? Those don't work. The last time you had someone staying with us you wanted to rehabilitate, you ended up taking out his liver. No one remembers that. What about Hugh? What about Hugh, huh? This is nothing like Hugh. This is revenge for Hugh going wrong. I couldn't help Hugh. All right, I couldn't. I couldn't help Arthur Huff. But this time, Noah, I can get it right. He sighed. You are such a fucking people pleaser, you know that? Thank you, I said. The water in the bathroom switched off. And what's Patty gonna do? Mom is letting her stay with her. She's thrilled, believe me. Okay, and what about Sydney? She's gonna bunk with Olivia. Olivia has a lot of room now. Her double turned into a dingle since her original roommate had come down with swine flu. Women in STEM, you know? Well, that's good, at least. You know, I never really liked Sydney, but... You know, despite the whole trying-to-kill-me thing, you two always really seem to get along. You seem to get each other. Yeah, I said. Yeah, I, I think we did. And what could I say? I I was really glad she was back. Sydney and I had always understood each other. As a ghost, she had been stuck in one place for such a long time. As a sea monster, I had been gone for such a long time. And I think, if I'm being completely honest, I think that's why I let Braden stay with us. I know what it's like to lose time. I know what it's like to come back to a world you should have had a grip on but didn't. I know what it's like to need a second chance. I've been a stranger here before. It was later, and I was walking across the quad to go to the library and study when I noticed a figure stumbling across the parking lot. 
It was shuffling and shambling and looked very confused. As I got closer, I saw that it was an old man with a head of thick silver hair. Sir, I said, are you all right? He looked up at me. His eyes widened. You, he said. Sir, I said. And then it hit me. I knew this man. Will Hughes, said Alan Robeck. Dryland was created by, written by, and performed by Adam Frost Venrick as Will Hughes. Each episode is produced through the Z Theatre Company. Thank you for listening, and please tune in next time for more Dryland. Dryland.